all you hardheads, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are in this wonderful world of ours. Welcome to the Hardheaded Sports Podcast, episode number 23, hosted by me, Nick Ryan. It is going to be a shorter show today. It's going to be a show in which I try not to talk as much because my jaw is absolutely irritated right now. My mouth is completely irritated. I have a, I had braces as a child, as most do in this day and age, and I, I've had them off for about eight years, but I've had a permanent retainer that has been glued to the upper and bottom front four teeth of my mouth, and I've had that for eight years now, and one of the wires actually popped last night. So, uh, I have a tiny, sharp piece of metal. Not the sharpest thing in the world. I don't want to act like I'm getting stabbed repeatedly. But uh, I have a piece of metal that is protruding off the top of my mouth and poking me in my tongue. And my mouth just can't find a natural resting place. And whenever I talk, I get pricked by this little tiny wire uh, at the top of my mouth. So talking is a little bit unnatural at the moment. It's uncomfortable. It's irritating. And uh, I'm really going to try not to talk as much today. (laughs) I know, imagine a podcast in which the person actually tries to talk less as opposed to talk more. But I digress. Um, You actually might be able to see it. For those of you who are watching this on YouTube afterwards, you might actually be able to see it. I would hope that you're not staring at my mouth for an entire 45 minutes of a show. Uh, That's kind of creepy, but (laughs) you might be able to see a little, little metal thing protruding. Uh, very carefully, very very small, hard to see probably in the compression on YouTube, but it's it's there, uh, and it's bothering me, and uh, it's gonna pre- it's gonna prevent me from talking or going a long distance today. But enough about my uh, my orthodontic uh, troubles. Enough about my dental troubles. Let's get into the show today. Uh, we're gonna talk about the breaking news of today and yesterday, which is JJ Watt shi- shining. See, there we go. <laughs> if if it sounds like I have a lips today, or if I trip over my words a little bit, that's just be- truly because my mouth is uncomfortable. Uh, so I do apologize in advance. But we're gonna truck on with the show anyways. So JJ Watt again, back to back to square one, uh, signing a thirty-one million dollar contract over two years with the Arizona Cardinals. That was the breaking news from yesterday and today. I'm going to talk about why J.J. Watt showed that he chose happiness over Super Bowl contention with this deal as opposed to what we all thought he was going to do, which is chase a Super Bowl ring. Then we're going to go to some basketball and talk about the contract situation there with Victor Oladipo. Uh, He turned down a maximum contract extension by the Houston Rockets over the weekend. So what does that mean for the Rockets? What does that mean for Oladipo? Will the Rockets try to move Oladipo before the trade deadline? We'll talk about that a little bit. And then we'll end the show with a front office frenzy installment. I think this is, what, number nine at this point? I've really liked having the front office frenzy segment come towards the end of the show. Excuse me. I've really enjoyed that coming towards the end of the show. It's a great way to close it out. Uh, It leaves you wanting more, uh, so I'm really thrilled with how that is. So we'll see what team we draw today. Uh, Hopefully, again, I'm hoping for an easy team since I don't want to be talking as much today. But uh, let's get into the show. Thank you all for all the support, as always. It's been fantastic thus far. We're we're coming up on a two-month anniversary of the show, and we just keep trucking on. So uh, really do appreciate it. So the breaking news from yesterday and today, J.J. Watt signing a two-year, $31 million contract with $23 million guaranteed with the Arizona Cardinals. 
Probably not the first team that you would think that J.J. Watt would be signing with. I know that I really didn't consider Arizona at all when it came to this. I feel like Arizona is very much so a forgotten team, and, you know, that that's not okay. You know, Arizona really has been relevant uh, more so <laughs> probably within the last five years or so. Uh, it's been a mostly relevant football team, but I think the NFL just tends to forget about the Arizona Cardinals. But regardless, J.J. Watt didn't forget about the Arizona Cardinals. Again, two-year, $31 million. 23 guaranteed the first year so essentially it's like a one year 23 million dollar guaranteed contract with just an extra year for giggles uh again nobody that you know all the analysts in the media seem very shocked because the the perception around the media and i guess really the casual football fan as well was the fact that or was the idea rather that jj watt was going to want to be a super bowl contender he's going to want to be on a contending team he's going to want to chase rings he's 31 he's about two years um He's about two years, not removed, but I guess he's two years ahead of sliding out of his prime. He's got probably about two more years of really good quality elite football left before he uh, gets to that old and veteran, <laughs> broken veteran stage of his career. So a lot of people were predicting that he would want to go ring chasing, whether that would be in Buffalo or Green Bay or Cleveland or Tampa Bay. You know, there there were a couple of options for J.J. Watt that that were really viable options and the money could have worked out if he wanted to, if he really wanted to compete for a Super Bowl. But I guess now we know the team that was offering uh, $15 million a year for J.J. Watt's services, and that was the Arizona Cardinals. And what, what this deal show to me and I think surprises everybody you know that's talked about this story over the past 48 hours is the fact that we as a collective completely misunderstood JJ Watt's current motivations and needs as a football player this two-year deal has showed that he does want to be a contender in the future he is going to have that Super Bowl contending phase of his career but it's just not going to be right now. I think J.J. Watt primarily is focused on his personal happiness. And when you take a look at his situation in Houston, you can absolutely understand why happiness and financial security is the one and two priorities that J.J. Watt has when it came to his free agency decision this offseason. Now, I think the real attraction to Arizona, apart from the quarterback, which Ed Werder posted uh, a tweet that basically said that J.J. Watt's number one uh, consideration was who was the quarterback. So, I mean, Kyler Murray is a, is a fine quarterback. I think he struggled towards the end of 2020, but as an athlete, he's extremely gifted. But I think the thing that really attracted J.J. Watt was familiarity. You have DeAndre Hopkins, who was traded, obviously, a season ago. And you do have Vance Joseph currently as the defensive coordinator, who was the defensive coordinator of the Houston Texans when they drafted J.J. Watt in 2011, if I remember correctly. So J.J. Watt is choosing familiarity. He's choosing a comfortable location in which he can play for a couple of seasons with a great defense because let's be honest the Arizona Cardinals are not like the New York Giants or or the the Philadelphia Eagles or the Jets of the football world in terms of okay they're not going to be contending for a while the Arizona Cardinals actually do have some nice pieces especially on the defensive side uh, Patrick Peterson is a free agent they might decide to let him go but uh, the real attraction I think on the defensive side of things for J.J. Watt is the fact that Chandler Jones is also there 
uh, Arizona's going to have to do pretty much everything that they need to do to bring him back as well. But the idea of having Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt on opposite sides of one another, that's a scary defense to face, especially because you can't double-team both of them. So one of them is going to be getting to the quarterback. You have probably two of the top five pass-rushing edge rushers in the game when they're all both healthy. So that is an extremely scary defense uh, for Arizona on top of what they already had. And, you know, the offense isn't bad either. Kenyon Drake and, and Arizona has been decent for them. Christian Kirk is a very uh, dependable wide receiver. Larry Fitzgerald is going to, I guess, continue playing until he's 60 years old. Um, and, of course, you know, Kyler Murray, as we already said, is proven to be, a, a at the very least, a very gifted athlete. So you can understand why, from a football perspective, J.J. Watt would want to go there. Um, and then, again, there's the familiarity with the players, DeAndre Hopkins and Vance Joseph, uh, his coach from a former regime. So that's when you put when you piece all of those together, when you, you connect the dots, you say, OK, like I can understand why J.J. Watt would be comfortable and happy in Arizona when coming from a place in which they're trading their best players. They're refusing and strangleholding their star quarterback whom you pulled aside at the very end of the season and said, I am so sorry, Deshaun, that we wasted your season. When you come from that situation to the situation that the Arizona Cardinals were presenting, you can absolutely understand why J.J. Watt chose his personal happiness over a Super Bowl contending team currently. Now, that's where the currently comes in is that, hey, this is a two-year deal. This isn't signing for three or four years. This isn't signing for five years max deal. Uh, this is this is two years. This is, this is one year, $23 million guaranteed with an extra year turned on just for funsies. So this is this is saying, OK, the Arizona Cardinals were a good enough team to allow me to have my services. I'll be happy here. They had the potential to be a playoff team, if not this year, the following year. So they have two years to get everything together. And if I'm if if they still can't get it together and it doesn't look like they're going to be in a position to win the Super Bowl by that third year, then I am released from my contract and I playing as JJ Watt at this point, I am released from my contract and then I can go and chase my Super Bowl ring with whoever would want my services for a Vectrum minimum deal at the very least. Because uh, JJ Watt will be 33 or 34 at that point. That's towards the end of the career. There are players that play further, but with how much JJ has been injured over the course of his career, I'd be surprised if he plays longer than that. So, you know, JJ Watt, I think, has played this almost perfectly. He's secured his financial a situation uh, almost immediately, although finances probably weren't a huge deal for J.J. Watt considering how much he's been paid as a three-time defensive player of the year. But regardless of that, uh, for his family, you know, the, the situation in Arizona is going to be good financially. It's going to be good in terms of his happiness as a player. And if the Super Bowl in the playoffs and the ascending rise of the Arizona Cardinals isn't exactly at the pace that he wants it to be by the end of his two-year contract, then he has the ability to say, hey, look, guys, it's been great, but I am going to go get myself a Super Bowl ring and whoever is in a position to sign him at that time is going to be able to sign JJ Watt and they'll be in a tremendous position to make a good Super Bowl run so realistically speaking it, it's it's absolutely not what we thought it was going to be when it came to the JJ Watt signing um Obviously, I had my thoughts about who he would go to. I didn't think that the Bills were a contender initially, but, you know, if they made some cuts, I think the Bills and J.J. Watt would have been a fantastic fit when you're thinking about purely about um, Super Bowl contention. But with the way that it's played out, the media and the casual fan base got his intentions wrong. He chose happiness over Super Bowl contention, at least at this point. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of seasons in Arizona. It's really going to depend on how much can Cliff Kingsbury in that 
and that coaching staff really coach up this team and especially a younger offense and make them into contenders. Uh, this is a make or break year for Kingsbury. He, you know, he improved on last year. He lived, he improved last year on the previous season's total. So if he makes the playoffs this year, he'll be on track again. He's playing in the hardest division, I think in football at the moment in the NFC West. So nothing is guaranteed, but it's at least uh, it, you can understand why JJ would want the, to go there from a personnel standpoint. It's going to be interesting to see what the Cardinals can do within the next two or three seasons. And on that note, we'll go to uh, another two-year contract that was uh, reported on over the weekend, over the last couple of days. Except this time, it wasn't an accepted contract. It was a declined contract. Uh, Victor Oladipo, uh, who's a guard for the Houston Rockets, he was acquired in that gigantic blockbuster trade for James Harden uh, a couple of weeks ago, almost over a month at this point. Uh, he, the reports are that Oladipo recently turned down a two-year, $45.2 million maximum contract extension, the most that the Houston Rockets could offer him before the end of the regular season. Oladipo is currently averaging 18.9 points, 4.9 rebounds, and 4.8 assists in 13 games with the Rockets. That is a little bit higher in terms of points, but around a average for what Oladipo is averaging for his career thus far in the NBA. You know, uh, I I was I wasn't sure how Olo Depot would react to being moved to Houston at first, but it appears as though the connection has been recent, pretty good thus far. Uh, the Rockets are are in a bit of a tough situation, however. Christian Wood went down with an injury. He was by far their best player apart from John Wall. Uh, Demarcus Cousins got released, so the team is going uh, through a little bit of a personnel. Uh, dilemma right now, but I think when it comes to pieces that you have that you would want to consider keeping on, I think Oladipo is somebody that the Rockets should seriously consider keeping on the staff because he has proven to be the model of consistency when he's not injured, and that's a gigantic asterisk, when he is not injured. And so when it comes to what the Rockets would want to do with Oladipo, him turning down the contract isn't any indication that he just does not want to play in Houston. Uh, Oladipo has been searching for a long-term contract pretty much with whoever he's been with uh, since um, the Orlando Magic moved him. So whether that's the Thunder or the Pacers and now the Rockets, he's been looking for that long-term fulfillment. He's looking for a place to call home. Now, it's not necessarily his fault, obviously. He's been traded a couple of times, but he really wants a place that he can call home. And, you know, Houston might be a team that could potentially be that home for Oladipo. And I would really like to see that relationship play out. Like I said, they're going through a little bit of a personnel dilemma right now. They're going to probably have an extremely bad end to 2020. Um, but when it comes to next year, which is what I think really matters in terms for Houston at this point, because the moment that the Houston Rockets lost James Harden, this season was over. Actually, you know, I would even say that as soon as James Harden requested a trade, this season was over for the Houston Rockets, you know. So, you know, with that being said, I don't think this, this season necessarily matters at this point. You want to try and get some pieces for the next season where you can make a real run, hopefully in a world that isn't marred by health and safety protocols and the coronavirus and, and uh, fanless basketball. But Oladipo has been a model of consistency in his time in the NBA. He's a really good wing defender, probably one of the better wing defenders in the NBA at this point. And I think the Rockets should absolutely try and do whatever they can to offer him that max contract extension this summer. 
or uh, whenever the free agency is. Now, if they don't want to do that, and there's a very real possibility that they just say, hey, look, you're a fantastic player, but we need more than just you right now, I think a great landing spot would be the Miami Heat. Now, the Miami Heat and Victor Oladipo are a couple of, of are two entities that have flirted with one another constantly over the past two years. And I mean, this is full-on flirtation like, hey, I like you, you like me, but we just can't be together right now type of flirtation. I think it would behoove the Miami Heat to try and make a trade for Victor Oladipo. Um, you know, the, and the argument against the Heat making a trade for Oladipo is the fact that the Heat are red hot right now, or maybe I should say white hot, considering uh, it's the Miami Heat. But regardless of that, the Heat are an extremely hot basketball team right now. They are jiving well with everybody. Uh, but when it comes to w the hole that they put themselves in, I would argue that adding a player like Oladipo that you know really adds. A sure top defender and 19 a point guy to your offense pretty much every single night. Uh, Tyler Hero has been struggling this season uh, more so than last. He's he's really hit a sophomore slump and he's injured currently. I don't know if he's back in the lineup or not, but I remember him being out for a couple of games. So I think uh, if you plug Oladipo into that that offense, whether it be none starting at point guard, point guard or Dragic, so Dragic or none with Oladipo, um, Jimmy Butler. Uh, Bam Adebayo, and then you also you have Andre Iguodala or Kelly Olynyk. Kelly Olynyk, I th uh, might be a trade candidate if you were to trade Victor Oladipo for some pieces if you're Houston. But I I like the Heat uh, to be a recipient of you know the Victor Oladipo Services Awards, um, <laughs> to put it to put it that way. If the Rockets do end up moving on from Oladipo, but like I said, I like Oladipo in Houston. I think that in terms of what Houston would want to try and replace somebody like James Harden, is he as gifted on the offensive end? No, he's not. But he's extremely gifted athletically. He's a great defender, something that the Houston Rockets really haven't had in the longest time. And I think when it comes to building cornerstones of your franchise to try and get back into the playoffs next year, a backcourt tandem of John Wall and Victor Oladipo, you can certainly do a lot worse than that. So realistically speaking, if I'm the Houston Rockets, I'm going to try and sign Oladipo to a max extension this summer. Uh, Christian Wood is a rising young center, so then you just need to plug in the pieces. I think if anybody should be traded away from the Houston Rockets, it's P.J. Tucker. Uh, he's kind of disgruntled. He's been waiting on a new contract, and he hasn't gotten one. Um, sure, P.J. Tucker's defense is a huge asset to the Houston Rockets, but regardless of that, um, I think you could probably get two pieces or another equally as good piece that may uh, gel better with your franchise. So I think if you're going to move one of the two players that are rumored to be traded or potentially on the training block for Houston, you probably want to move away from P.J. Tucker. And, you know, give give yourself and Victor Oladipo a chance to get to know each other a little bit. Um, he's only played 13 games. And as I said, in those 13 games, it's, he's averaged 19 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists, which is statistically on par for where he is in his career. So it's not like he's underperforming. He's doing exactly what is advertised. You need to keep the consistent players. And I know that the knock on Oladipo is that he's injured all the time or that he has injury history. But I think in terms of what the Houston Rockets can do at this point, Point. This is probably the best that they can do, and David Fertitta needs to do everything that he can to keep Oladipo in there because without, you know, the attraction of Daryl Morey in Houston, without the attraction of playing with James Harden in Houston, you're going to need players that want to play for Houston, and you re really need to try and cater to Oladipo at this point. 
to keep him in Houston. But like I said, if you know the odds aren't in Houston's favor and they, they, they the relationship isn't strong enough, they want to try and get a couple of prospects for Oladipo to try and rebuild this basketball team, I think the Miami Heat will be a perfect candidate for Oladipo at this point. And uh, that, that would be a great fit. They've been flirting with each other for a couple of years now, so it's going to be interesting to see how that develops over time. So uh, really interesting to see what Houston will do with Oladipo. And finally, to end the show today, we are going to move on to the front office frenzy segment. Uh, this is the segment, if you're new here, where I draw a team randomly from the hat that's on my desk here. You can actually see the name, the edge of the, oop, there, there we go. You can see the edge of the names in the hat right next to me. I pull a team at random, and in 15 minutes or less, I have to lay out a, ran, uh, not a random, a logical and reasonable game plan for each team that I draw in, uh, in that amount of time. And I get essentially no help. I get the team's cap space. I get the team's draft picks and I get the team's record from last year in addition to some smaller bullet points whether that be a key free agent or a specific draft pick that they have some small things to help me guide me on my way so I don't sound like a complete and utter idiot uh so with that being said today's team is going to be Today's team is going to be... Oh, this is a small piece of paper. Holy moly. Ooh. Okay, today's team is going to be the Buffalo Bills. So, the Buffalo Bills obviously were in the AFC Championship game this last season. Uh, They are probably one of the best teams in the NFL currently. And they are going to be an extremely exciting... um, a team to watch over the next couple of seasons at the very least. Uh, you know, the Bills really had a good chance to beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game this year, but they failed to capitalize on the Chiefs having their their slow starts. Um, uh, uh, instead of having maybe like a 21 to nothing lead, they uh, had a field goal, uh, a field goal and then a touchdown and weren't able to capitalize from there on out. I believe McCall Hardman muffed a punt. So instead of uh, you know having multiple touchdowns on the board, they had a field goal and a touchdown with a mixed extra point. And then the Chiefs came back and did what they do as per usual in very Kansas City Andy Reid fashion. They scored like a pajillion points in the second quarter. And uh, you know despite a fourth quarter comeback effort, the Chiefs or excuse me the Bills rather were really uh, unable to do much else offensively. And uh, really, the things that stuck out to me in that game against the Kansas City Chiefs was, A, uh, the offense is too one-dimensional at this point. I believe um, I believe that Josh Allen had more rushing yards combined than the entire uh, Buffalo Bill running back core. I think, I think Singletary had maybe like 20 yards and Yeldon had like four, and then Josh Allen was sitting there at like 85 or something. Uh, so Josh Allen, maybe, whether they were design plays or not, your quarterback should never be the unless he's a dual threat you know primary running quarterback which Josh Allen he, he is a dual threat he's a mobile quarterback I won't call him a dual threat but he's a mobile quarterback Josh Allen should never be leading your team in rushing the Bills needed a running game in that game and also um, they were just outclassed in terms of their speed defensively that game as well there was very much very little that they can do about their speed they couldn't rush the passer with speed they couldn't cover the speed uh, on Kansas City's wide receiver core and that really was what was the determining factor in the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Buffalo Bills last season so uh You need to try and fix those things. The Bills are negative $2.1 million in cap space. They had a 13-3 record in 2020 last season. I forgot to do the the, the rundown at the very beginning, so we'll just do that now. Um, And then 
Uh, they have seven picks in the 2021 draft. So now that we've done the rundown, the, you know the, the Bills have negative 2.1 million dollars in cap space, uh, according to Over the Cap, and uh, that was as of February 4th when I looked up all of the stats for all the teams. So um, according to, uh, so since February 4th, they have about 2.1 uh, negative 2.1 million dollars in cap space. So with the rollover that comes with your salary from 2020, the Bills are seed- sitting at about even when it comes to their cap space. Uh, there are a couple of cuts that they can do to give themselves some wiggle room because a lot of what the Bills need to do is they need to try and now plug and place the cogs in the wheel that drives the Bills Mafia bus uh, at this point. And I think one of the areas that you can cut some salary is John Brown, uh, wide receiver. The the Bills are extremely solid at wide receiver. You can afford to cut him. He saves about seven to eight million dollars in cap space. And sure, he was very beneficial in what the Browns, uh, not the Browns. God, I'm just all over the place with this one. What the Bills were able to do with their initial resurgence uh, back when the Bills drafted Josh Allen. Uh, John Brown was a huge part of that, but uh, now you have you have Diggs and you have Beasley and you have Roberts, so you really have a lot of wide receivers there. You can afford to cut Brown, save about seven or eight million dollars. In additional, in addition to that, the defensive line had a horrible end to 2020, and there are a lot of defensive end members that have a high pay cut or a high payroll that you can kind of cut them as well and plug in the gap. So there are, are a couple of defensive ends, I'm, and I'm forgetting their names at this point. I think is is Mario Addison the correct name? Um, I'm not quite sure, but there are a couple of defensive ends um, on the defensive line that you can cut, and their contracts are also in the six to seven million dollar contract range. So depending on how many people you cut, you can end up realistically with anywhere between twenty to thirty dollar thirty million dollars in cap space this season if you're Buffalo to try and plug in some gaps. Uh, you know, Brandon Bean has done a really good job of of putting Buffalo in good situations to make changes when they need to make changes. Um, he's done a fantastic job with that football team. And he's going to need to make a couple of more really interesting decisions and tough decisions to try and give the Buffalo Bills some wiggle space because they are literally on the cups of being that Super Bowl contending team. But if they're going to run into the Chiefs pretty much every single year based on how this year's game went... Uh, you're, you're going to need to make some changes. And again, I felt like the lack of speed was very apparent. I felt like the lack of a running game and making the offense one-dimensional really hurt the Buffalo Bills. And uh, the defensive line, especially with what we saw the Buccaneers do to, to Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, and maybe that's not really fair considering that the Chiefs were missing starters in the Super Bowl. But regardless, to see what the Buccaneers did to the Chiefs' offensive line in the Super Bowl, the, the Bills only got one sack. And with how much money is tied up in that defensive line currently for the Buffalo Bills, that's very, very underwhelming. So that's the areas of contention that the the Bills need to work on. Um, so moving to free agency here, um, I think a, a target you can really be satisfied with going for is Unique Ngakwe. I think the, the idea of Unique Ngakwe in a Bills uniform would be extremely good, especially if you put him op- opposite Jerry Hughes. I mean, look, Unique Ngakwe is a little bit expensive. He's bounced around a little bit, but that doesn't diminish his value. In every single season, he, apart from his Pro Bowl season in which he had 12 sacks, he's a perennial nine-sack-a-season guy that is going to get after the pass, uh, get after the passer, he is probably going to be at a cheapened price due to the way that the salary cap is shaping up this next season. And I think Yink Ngakwe would be a really good signing for the Buffalo Bills if they decide to go for a defensive end in free agency as opposed to the draft. Um, 
So Unique Ngakwe is one that I would go for. Um, the offensive line for the Bills have a lot of turnover, or I think I will have a lot of turnover. They have at least three starters that are entering for agency, if I remember correctly. There's uh, Daryl Williams and then uh, the center, of whose name I can't remember. And again, that's the con of this segment is I'm not allowed to look up names. I have to do this all off the top of my head, and sometimes names are forgotten and uh, things are said incorrectly. But regardless of that, there's a lot of money on the offensive line as well that's entering free agency. I think Darrell Williams seems to be re-signed. Uh, Matt Milano on the defensive side of things, the linebacker, he is the, the heart and blood of that defense. I think uh, Brandon Bean needs to do everything that he can to re-sign Matt Milano. And um, so, so Unique and Gatway, Matt Milano, and Daryl Williams on the offensive line are some key names that you would want to re-sign. I know Josh Norman is a free agent, uh, but he didn't necessarily have the best season in Buffalo. He had a he had a decent season, but I think you'd be comfortable with letting Josh Norman go on the defense on the uh, the defensive back side of things and searching for a replacement in the draft. And then it comes to the running back situation. Now, depending on how much money the Bills can free up with their cuts on the defensive line and uh, with John Brown, which I suggest that they release, depending on how much or how many people that they cut, that determines where you're going to be able to find your value for uh, a, a running back, whether you need to go to the draft or you need to go to free agency. I think that um, Chris Carson, who is a, a free agent coming out of Seattle, would be a very nice fit for um, – or at least to be given a chance in Buffalo. Um, he has had some competition in Seattle. Uh, the Seattle drafted DJ Dallas, and then there was Rashad Penny that they also drafted in the first round a couple of years prior. So, you know, Chris Carson had an outbreak of a season, and then he was kind of pushed out the door by Seattle. So you might be able to sign Chris Carson for a little bit cheaper, maybe give him a one-year prove-it deal, um, or, or really just try and compete with other teams for Carson services. Because I, th- I truly think that a running game will make Josh Allen and his play action ability that much more deadly and again uh, Devin Singletary just did not cut it last year as a running back the bills were way too excuse me the bills were way too one-dimensional and that's what ended up getting them caught and getting them uh, flustered and beaten in the AFC championship game by the Kansas Chiefs the Kansas City Chiefs defense was that the fact that they were throwing the ball on time and I understand yes they were behind they were behind uh, especially in the later, latter st- stages of the game but Josh Allen realistically even from the very beginning and throughout the playoffs was throwing the ball way too much way too one-dimensional they need to get a running back there so uh, entering into the draft, I think we've pretty much covered everything uh, in free agency. Let me see my if I have any extra small bullet points that I missed in my uh, my allowed notes that I'm allowed in this segment. And I don't think that I have. Um, so moving on to the draft, um, I think you're probably going to have to try and let somebody go or not try, but you're probably going to have to let one of the offensive linemen go in free agency that are currently on your roster. So the best way to counter that is to take your first round pick and replace that person. I think Wyatt Davis coming out of Ohio State would be a great guard replacement or at least somebody that can play either center or tackle. He's moved around a whole bunch, but I think his best position is at the guard position. So you will have an option to have a first rounder of starting caliber offensive lineman straight out of the gate, get some better protection for Josh Allen. Although the Bills offensive line was mostly pretty good last year, they did have some struggles here or there. Uh, But again, a lot of those guys are free agents anyway, so you're going to need a replacement on the offensive line. I think Wyatt Davis coming out of Ohio State is a good fit for the first round. Uh, Moving on to the second round, it really depends on what you get in free agency here. 
I think that uh, at this point in the second round, you're going to be drafting towards the end of the second round. I think at that point, you probably take the fastest cornerback available. And that is something that, of course, I can't tell you who that's going to be right now. I wish I could give you a name. Um, I can only give you, you know, maybe somebody like, uh, oh, what is his name? Uh, uh, I think it's Jefferson, Chris Jefferson out of UCF. Uh, Maybe that's a name that you potentially, I'm not quite sure how fast he is, but regardless, you're going to want to probably draft the fastest cornerback in the draft available at that point to try and contend with the speed uh, of a team like Kansas City. Now, I know everything doesn't need to be about how do you counter Kansas City, but especially with Josh Norman more than likely leaving in free agency, and depending on whether you want to try and get a mid-level signing quarterback in free agency, you might want to take a second round draft pick on a cornerback make him fast make him speedy doesn't have to be you know the best cover corner in the world uh but whoever fits the scheme and whoever's the fastest is who i would target in the second round and then moving on to the third round uh, if you didn't get a running back in free agency this is where i would try and get a running back to try and replace devin singletary or tj yeldon um maybe Maybe Trey Sermon. If you're going to draft Wyatt Davis in the first round for Ohio State, maybe you want to take Trey Sermon in the third round uh, because he's more than likely going to be available at that point. There's some familiarity. Trey Sermon... We haven't seen necessarily a lot from, but when he he did have that monster game against Northwestern and then against Clemson in the college football playoff, uh, Trey Sermon uh, could be a really nice fit or at least a challenge to try and stimulate the run game for uh, Buffalo. And then in the later rounds, maybe try and get a replacement wide receiver for John Brown, maybe a, a third day, uh, sixth or seventh round pick that you can plug in to add some roster depth. And what the Bills also really need and something that I really forgot until just this point is that the, the Bills need some kind of tight end. Um Uh, Tyler Croft really was a very disappointing signing from a couple of years ago. He never really developed into much. So maybe take uh, your fourth round pick or your fifth round pick or whatever. I don't think the Bills actually have a fourth round pick. Um, So you take a fifth round pick, get a tight end, uh, a roster filler at this point, because I don't think you want to spend big money on a tight end and free agency at this point. I think you'll probably want to reshuffle the defensive ends, the defensive line, as I said, uh, try and get a running back potentially in free agency. But really, um, that's uh, that I think is a pretty good game plan for how the Bills can return to the playoffs next season and be Super Bowl contenders, uh, playoff contenders, whatever have you. Um, Hopefully you all enjoyed that segment. That is the end of the show. So make sure that you tune in next time to find out if your team is next. I am going to shut up and stop talking because my mouth is very sore. Uh, Hopefully this all came out mostly okay. Uh, Again, I apologize for a shorter show today. We'll try and have more content for the next show. Um, But that's that's really at the, the, the whim of the sports world, I guess, as they say. But thank you all so much for listening and watching today. Uh, highlights will be posted up on YouTube as per usual. I'm going to go rest my mouth and try and stop talking as much. So on behalf of me, this is Nick Ryan. This is the Hard-Headed Sports Podcast. Stay hard-headed, but have a nice day.